Would calling a terrorist a rose make it any less dangerous? With apologies to Shakespeare. Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Canada, and you're listening to Quick Hits, short podcasts about all matters national security. Came across a very interesting article in Nature magazine this week, which was replicated in quite a bit of media around the world. And it has to do with naming conventions when it comes to viruses, and more specifically, the COVID-19 virus. So if you've been following this virus, and if you haven't, you're, you're living on Pluto because it's been dominating the news for so long now, a year and a half and counting, you know that there have been a number of variants of the COVID virus that have proven to be, let's say, problematic. There was a South African variant, there was a Brazilian variant, there was a UK variant, etc., well, the National, is it the World Health Institute? It's one of these bodies has decided that they're going to change how, actually it's the World Health Organization, WHO, has decided it's going to change how it refers to variants. So, for example, the what was then known as the South African variant is going to be called Beta now. And, and, there, and there's other Greek letters used for other variants. The rationale that's been used and I'm going to quote from the Nature article here. Let me put my glasses on for a second. It says, Confusion isn't the only reason to go with a simplified naming system, say advocates of the new system. Terms such as the South African variant and the Indian variant can stigmatize countries and their residents and might even discourage nations from running surveillance for new variants. Okay, fine, I, I guess, um, if this is what scientists want to do to make things easier, more palatable. For your roots. However, uh, there's a lot to be said for calling it the South African variant, because that's where the variant was first detected. That's where it arose. And if you call it beta, it could be it could have come from Pluto for all I know. I'm in a Pluto phase right now. Why not call it the South African variant? If you call it what it is, meaning where it originated, then you would dedicate your resources to finding out more about it. You would send special medical teams in to figure out how did it mutate from the other strains? Is there a particular hotspot in South Africa? Whence came this virus? If you call it beta, then where do you send your teams? Do you send them to South Africa? Do you send them to India? Do you send them to the aforementioned Pluto? In case you're wondering why I'm raising this in a podcast about national security, uh, the exact same thing has happened when it comes to terrorism in a couple of countries, including my own here in Canada, uh, as well as Australia. There's this movement to stop calling terrorism what it is. Let me give you an example. When I worked for the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, or CSIS, we dealt with what we called Islamist terrorism. We used to call it Sunni Islamic terrorism, or SIT for short, in the early 2000s. And we changed that, uh, despite the fact it was very descriptive and very accurate. But we felt we'll just call it what other academics were calling it, which was Islamist terrorism or Islamist extremism. Well, apparently that's not good enough anymore because people get upset when they when they see the I word, the word Islamist. Uh, first of all, people confuse Islamist with Islamic. They are not the same thing. Uh, second of all, uh, there are people who simply see, stop at Islam and feel that Islam is somehow responsible for the greatest terrorism threat the world's ever seen. Uh, and as I pointed out in six books and thousands of talks, yes, there is a link between Islam and this particular form of terrorism, albeit a non-normative, 
the ex- an extreme interpretation of Islam. So it's not as if there's nothing there. But people are getting more and more uncomfortable at this use of the term Islamist terrorism. So what's happened, and this again, this includes my own government here in Canada, a couple years ago, essentially decided we're not going to use that term anymore. We're not, not going to call it. We're not going to call it religious terror. We're going to call it ideologically motivated violent extremism, or IMVE. Have you ever heard of a stupider government acronym than that? This is typical of big government. So whether or not you're a jihadi in Lebanon, or you're a Hindu extremist in Mumbai, or you're a Buddhist terrorist in Thailand, or you're a Christian terrorist in Alabama, or you're a Jewish terrorist in the West Bank, or you're a Sikh terrorist in the Punjab, we're not going to call you that anymore. We're not going to talk about Buddhist terrorism. We're not going to talk about Islamist terrorism. We're not going to talk about Christian terrorism. We're going to call it ideologically motivated violent extremism. Moving forward, CSIS will use the following terminology to describe violent extremist threats. Ideologically motivated violent extremism encourages the use of violence to further an individual's personal vision of the world. Politically motivated violent extremism encourages the use of violence to establish new political systems or new structures and norms within existing systems. Religiously motivated violent extremism encourages the use of violence as part of a spiritual struggle against a perceived immoral system. Often these ideologies teach their followers that salvation can only be achieved through violence. This is not just political correctness, folks. We are sacrificing accuracy on the altar of not offending anybody. And when you sacrifice accuracy, you run into the problem that you don't have as many tools and as deep an understanding of what you're dealing with. How in heaven's name can a security service like CSIS or MI5 United Kingdom or the FBI in the States or the CIA or whatever figure out who to go after when you're told, fight IMVE? Shouldn't you be fighting the actors who are responsible for it? And those actors happen to be in the case of Lebanon or Iraq or Somalia or Nigeria or any number of countries, including Canada, happen to be Muslims, i.e. they are Islamists. Shouldn't you be able to say we're going to go after Thai Buddhist terrorists in, 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 in that country or in Myanmar or in Sri Lanka? Shouldn't we be able to say there is a such thing as Christian terrorism, sometimes tied to white, sometimes tied to white nationalism? I, I don't get this. I don't get why we're doing this. You know, governments can do whatever the hell they want. But for the security service to buy into this bullshit about language is not a good sign. And I know that my former organization, CSIS, has done exactly that. On their website, you'll see IMVE. And you'll see politically motivated VE. And you'll see religiously motivated VE with no details on what's actually happening at the coalface. You know, a lot of people get offended about a lot of things. And that's fine. It's a free universe. If you take offense to what I'm saying, you have that right. You may be wrong in the sense that I had no intention of offending you. The offense may be in your mind only. But if you want to feel offended, fill your boots. What we don't need happening is what's happening. And Australia, by the way, claims it's following the lead in Canada. and following. So ASIO, the Australian Security Intelligence Organization, is following the lead at CSIS. And it's now using the term IMV. This is a bad development. 
that smacks of government interfering in the work of security intelligence organizations, which is a no-no in the first place. These have to be independent organizations, much as law enforcement has to be independent of government, because on occasion they have to investigate government and investigate ministers and investigate officials. So my, my note to the Trudeau government and to the government in Australia, get your fingers out of the pie of the security intelligence services. Let them do their jobs. Don't tell them what whom to list as a terrorist organization, as the Trudeau Liberals did with the Proud Boys in Canada. And don't tell CSIS what to call what it's doing in its counterterrorism investigations. Anyhow, that's what I think. Um, you'll notice that I, I am wearing a, a, a hockey jersey today, and uh, it happens to be a um, a Montreal Canadiens jersey. I am a Habs fan, and I've been really good the last couple of days at not poking fun at all the Canadians, uh, not Canadians, but Canadians, who happen to be Toronto Maple Leaf fans, who my Canadians defeated in seven games the other night after Toronto had a 3-1 to one lead in the best of seven series. I've been really, really good, but man, it feels good when Montreal beats Toronto, especially when they weren't expected to do so. I'd like to end with a quote from my... Uh, Teenage sleuths, I've been neglecting this for a while. So a lot of you have said you love the quotes from the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. So I'm going to go back to that now. I have a quote from Nancy Drew today, Nancy Drew's Guide to Life. And this comes from The Secret in the Old Attic. Dressing well will open any doors, even those connected to a top secret factory. I hate to disappoint Nancy, but uh, showing up in a three-piece suit or a, a, a low, uh, low-cut dress is not going to get you into CSIS headquarters. Dressing well has nothing to do with it. See this? This is what I wore to work at CSIS. This is not well-dressed. I got access to the top secret factory without dressing well. So Nancy, you might want to check your sources on that one. Anyhow, what do you think about the name change? Do you think we should be referring to terrorism in such an inane, innocuous, nondescriptive ways? You can always drop me a line. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content want to get more, go to the website, borealisthreatenrisk.com. You can subscribe free of charge to all the daily, the daily uh, terrorism, Today in Terrorism series, podcasts, blogs, interviews, Canadian Intelligence Day, quick hits, etc., etc. You also find a link there to my latest book, The Peaceable Kingdom, A History of Terrorism in Canada from Confederation to the Present. Uh, as it is self-published, you can only get it on the website. It's $25 Canadian plus postage and handling. Love to hear from you on this and other matters. We'll talk again soon. Until then, stay safe. Stay safe.